Welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 15 of Charmed. Just Harried. Okay, so this is kind of the iconic wedding of Charmed. Wait, really? Like... You don't, you don't think the, the wedding plot with Phoebe being tricked into a dark marriage is the iconic wedding episode? I mean, it should be. It's the coolest wedding by a lot. <laughs> but this is, like, the one that's about true love and not about, you know, evilly tricking someone into becoming the queen of hell. I mean, yes, love the, comes in many forms, Max. Yes, yes. And, of course, it's weird that we've already talked about Phoebe's wedding. Well, I mean, I think we've made it pretty clear that... We are Cole supporters in this house. Well, I mean, the secret first episode of uh, Welcome to the Hollow Manor, our April Fool's Day episode, dealt with the dark wedding. Oh, yeah, that's true. And that was just a coincidence because what we did was on on April 1st, several years ago at this point. Yeah, on our old podcast, Welcome to Storybrooke, which was about Once Upon a Time. Right. Um, we did an episode where we pretended that we had been doing a Charmed podcast that whole time. And we did the episode of Charmed that we would be on if we had been doing a Charmed podcast the whole time. So it just randomly happened to be the uh, the Phoebe wedding episode. Which is great, and it also really, really draws your attention to how much Paige was just a fill-in for Prue when it comes to judging Cole and Phoebe's relationship. Oh, interesting. But we will get to that in time. This is the Piper and Leo wedding. I see, I thought you were going to talk about how weird it is that this is the Piper and Leo wedding, and... It's a Prue episode? <laughs> it's a Prue episode, but you know what? I'm fine with that, because I love this episode. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I, I remember not really being a huge fan of this episode the very few times I saw it in reruns. I feel like I was on a post-Rose McGowan rerun schedule when I was watching it back. God, that was still in the WB. Okay, so I want to have, like, a massive tangent right now. Go for it. Okay, so there was this Christopher Pike book. Christopher Pike, for those of you who don't know, is a young adult horror writer. Like R.L. Stein, mm. except... Like, real-life horror. Like, you've got a stalker or whatever, right? Oh, no, no, no. Um, I, get, I see how you could see that think that from the covers of his books but no it's like people died and came back to life although you know what there are a few plots where it's just straight up like murders except it's happening in high school he wasn't the fear street guy right that was also rl stein rl stein did fear street yes i love how it was like a horror themed sweet valley high like right he had fear street and then if you were younger he had goosebumps and if you were younger than that he had eureka's castle but i mean like how uh how Fear Street was all interconnected, like characters from other books oh. would show up in other books, and there was like continuing storylines. Okay, so this is like a tangent within a tangent. About Sweet Valley High? No, about Search Party, which I finally got around to watching. I, I didn't watch it originally because it came on TBS, and if you don't have cable, TBS isn't streaming anywhere, except now all of the old TBS shows are streaming on old. Old as in it ended a year ago. Yes. All of the, all of the 
TBS shows are streaming on HBO Max, which we do have, which is why we just finished Miracle Workers literally like a second ago. So good. Every season is based off of a different book by the same author. We can't get into it. It's so good, though. Watch Miracle Workers. But it's also why I was finally able to sit down and watch Search Party mm. and, like, seriously, go watch Search Party. And I just love that there's a moment where one of the characters is on a, uh, a mushroom trip and hallucinates that she is sitting at a table with all of the world's great dead authors, and the authors that are sitting there are uh, Shakespeare, Virginia Woolf, Maya Angelou, um, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and R.L. Stein, played by R.L. <laughs> Stein. <laughs> okay, back a level to Christopher Pike. So he wrote a book that was kind of a ripoff of Are You Afraid of the Dark? In fact, I think it might have even been called The Midnight Society. Wow, but, that that was that was the name of the society and in Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I could I could be wrong about what it was called. I could be thinking it was called that because of Are You Afraid of the Dark? But anyway, it was about, you know, teens telling ghost stories. Um and one of the stories like just really stuck with me forever and it was about a girl who managed to, like, split herself into two people so that one of them could stay at school and, like, get good grades and the other one could go off and, like, party in biker bars. And, uh... I see how you're bringing it back to this episode. Yeah, just live irresponsibly. And anyway, that story always stuck with me. And that might be why I like this episode so much because this is about Prue, uh... Sending her, sending her id off to have the adventures that she can't have. Don't worry, folks, though. Phoebe took a psych class. Oh my god. Not only did she used to live in New York, but she's also taken Psych 101. She even says it's Psych 101. <sighs> Phoebe is like a caricature of herself at this point. And we're so early. Prue's not even dead yet. Oh, I thought you were going to say we haven't even gotten to ask Phoebe yet. Oof. Which also premieres in that episode. Yes, it does! <laughs> okay, I'm not saying there's a connection between Phoebe becoming the Queen of Hell and Phoebe starting her her her, uh, her advice column the same episode she officially marries the source of all evil. I'm not saying anything, but... Yeah. Alright, this episode. This wedding. So we open on uh, a little cake topper. Yeah. What, what are those called again? Uh... They're called cake toppers. Yeah. I appreciate that it's not one of those jokey ones that are really popular now, where it's the bride dragging the groom away from something he doesn't like. Oh my god! I, if you don't want to get married, don't get... Anyway. <laughs> Why would you have that on your wedding cake, though? It blows my mind. Why would you... Oh, well, so I actually think those... This is just a theory of mine. I think those probably came into prominence with the rise of groom cakes. And those oh, probably go on the groom cakes. Yeah. Wait, did you not know groom cakes were a thing? No. Is it like a cake they make for the bachelor party or something? No. Okay, so the wedding cake is usually like the traditional tiered whatever. Yeah. And then the groom's cake is usually something that's more um, like a chocolate or, you know, like a, a red velvet or something like that. Just be chocolate. Don't... Yeah, but by what I mean on. is it's 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 not something that's a traditional cake, wedding cake. Mm. Um, and then usually the groom's interest is, like, presented on it. Like, it might be decorated, like, fishing or golf or something. <laughs> oh, my God. I know that we got married in very, very subtle cosplay. Or not actually that subtle cosplay. But, like, 
doesn't that seem a little embarrassing? We've got, oh, oh, okay, so the bride gets this really fancy regal-looking cake, and the groom gets, like, a slab of chocolate with Fortnite written across the top of it. Well, see, what strikes me is that that's, like, saying the quiet part out loud, that the wedding that should be about a couple is really about the bride, and that you have to have this little cordoned-off designated section for the groom. I'm sorry, it's the saddest thing in the universe. It's like if a kid has a temper tantrum, if it's not his birthday when he goes to a birthday party, so you have to bring a separate tiny cake for him, which is a, it's in an Ada I read recently, which, oh my god, why would you do that to your kid? Okay, but it's a wedding, so this is more like if you had twins, and you had a huge party for one of them, and a little cake for the other one in the corner. It had Fortnite written across the top of it. Exactly. Although, okay, I will say, though, in my experience, and... I mean, when it comes to desserts, I'm kind of, like, basic. I mean, we had a really nice, like, blueberry sponge thing for our wedding cake. Yes, we did. Sorry, go on. Well, I was just gonna say, it's been my experience that if I go to a wedding where there is a groom's cake, that one is tastier than whatever the other cake is. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I'm assuming it's not built to look pretty. It's just there to be eaten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lump of chocolate with Fortnite written across the top of it. Exactly. Anyway, I think that's what those wedding toppers are probably used on more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, I assume they were mostly bought as jokes, like penis gummies. Yeah, or you know, they're probably or they could be like given to guys at bachelor parties. Bachelor parties. Uh, Is there a new thing? I feel like like with gender reveals kind of becoming the supplement to baby shower, there has to be something growing on the side of bachelor and bachelorette parties. The engagement party? Engagement parties are a thing now. I guess. I'm, I don't know. Shouldn't there be a debaucherous cousin of the bachelor party that exists now? Or bachelorette party? Wait, something more debaucherous than a bachelor party? Well, side debaucherous. I mean, because I, all of these events spin off other events. Like, I can't think of a good example, but like, like baby showers created gender reveals. Also, like, I feel like there's more than one kind of baby shower now. I feel like that's splintering off into separate things. There are different kinds of baby showers because you can have like a baby shower that's specifically like, okay, we are just giving diapers because diapers are hella expensive. Mm. So we're having a special diaper shower where everyone's gift is diapers and then like another shower where you give like everything else. We got so many diapers as, uh, as baby gifts and we went through them all. It's always a good choice. Yeah, when also, where we registered, um, there was, like, a bonus where anytime somebody fulfilled a gift on our registry, it added more diapers to our, like, thing. So, that was nice. Charmed. Well, we're talking about weddings. Weddings. Okay. So, Graham's ghost is uh, going through the rehearsal. This is when they're still bothering to put the ghost effect on Graham's. Well, it's important that they put the ghost effect on Graham's here. So that when Patty arrives later, we will see that she is not a ghost. That it is an extra special thing for now. Then they just get sick of doing the ghost effect and anyone can come back. I do like that they specifically bring up at the, you know, beginning, because they're like, Grams, it's so good you're here. Is there any chance mom can show up in ghost form? And Grams is like, oh, sorry, she has to do her ghost taxes today, (laughs) so she can't ghost, you know, phone in real bummer but you know ghost tax season comes for us all okay so they they don't really explain why patty's not allowed to come to the wedding they just like you said kind of hand wave it but i thought i mean my memory was 
that there was something about, like, the intensity of the emotions surrounding the death and the person's ability to come back that was given as the reason why Prue didn't come back as a ghost. Yeah, Grams talks about that when uh, Piper tries to summon Prue's ghost at the beginning of season four. Grams tells her that uh, you need to let the person be dead first before you can, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, that makes sense to me where even though Grams has been dead for a shorter amount of time than Patty, that loss is still sharper. Also, it makes sense in the context with which Patty has appeared in the past, only at very, very dire moments where basically when the sisters were at a point between life and death mm-hmm. to save Prue from uh, Barbus, you know, when she was nearly killed by Barbus, which I, I, I know it sounds dismissive because they beat Barbus so many times, but also he keeps coming back. So in a weird way, the fact that they've beaten him so many times makes him more of a threat. Yeah, right. He's he's the guy who won't stay vanquished. But uh, then, and when they help Sam move on, although God knows that doesn't stick. <laughs> uh, it is kind of weird that the white light, the, the, the elders brought Sam back as a white lighter after he regular died. Mm-hmm. And then he was a white lighter for a while. And then they made him human. Right. And then he died. And then they brought him back as a white lighter again. Yeah. So, if you qualify for being a white lighter, like, once, does that mean the elders can just bring you back whenever they want? Well, okay, so first of all, I think it's pretty clear the elders can do whatever they want whenever, why ever. Point. But also, I feel like Sam's time as a human after he was dead and a white lighter was, like, a temporary suspension. He was put on temporary paid leave for having sex with his charge. So, in this episode, mm. Grams and Grams and Phoebe and Prue are getting the, the house ready for the wedding, mm-hmm. and Prue is super tired, and she tells, she tells them that the reason she's tired is because she's been having this reoccurring dream that's been keeping her up. I, she's, she says that she feels like she's awake in her dreams, so when she wakes up, it's like she didn't get any sleep at all. Yeah, and uh, Phoebe asks what the dream is, and she's like, well, I'm at a biker bar with this hot biker dude. And Phoebe and Gramps, her sister and her grandmother, are both like, ooh, tell us more. I don't have siblings or, at this point, I was going to say living grandparents, but I guess Gramps isn't technically living. <laughs> I don't have uh, siblings or grandparents I'm capable of conversing with, but uh, I, 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 I just, I, I somehow don't feel like this is the conversation one has with those particular family members. It's kind of weird. Granted, I've never, I don't have a sister, so maybe it's a sister I thing. Mean, I mean, but... I, I, I could see having that conversation with my sister, yeah, but it's, it's still a little weird. I mean, it all comes off very... Hey, uh, Dr. Crusher, why don't you tell me about your grandmother's sex ghost that you started having ghost sex with? Yep, sex candle ghost that your grandmother had sex with. Who's been having sex with every woman in your family for generations. God, I love that episode of Star Trek. Sub Rosa, by the way, in case you, our listener, want to go listen to or go watch it. Mm. So, uh, I think Piper thought the stakes weren't high enough, so she comes downstairs and is like, um, by the way, if one more thing goes wrong, I am canceling the wedding. Yeah, that's a very specific thing to say, Piper, but 
They're like, don't worry, nothing will go wrong. And then Prue theatrically yawns. I kind of thought she was faking it at first in universe, but I guess there's no good way to act tired without it seem, without it seeming cartoonish and hammy. I guess. So, I do really like that Gramps is very, not very subtly. She's critical throughout the scene. Like she's like, oh, is this really the biggest arch you can get? Is this the best lighting for dead people? You know, I don't know. Is it too late to switch grooms? Prue goes upstairs to take a nap so that she will be rested for the wedding and whoop, uh-oh, there's a sexy lady doing sexy uh, pool at a sexy bar. It's Prue. Yes, yes, it's Prue. Um, yeah, she's she's playing billiards. She looks great, right? In like a tight denim shirt and jeans. Yeah, it's a very it's a very simple outfit, but she is just I guess it's not hustling guys at pool if you're like, hey, I bet I can play pool better than you and then you do. Yeah, yeah. That's just playing pool well. And the guys don't want to pay her because they're like, oh, you must be cheating or something and We're big men and you are a tiny woman, so clearly we have the advantage. And then, like, a sexy biker dude in a leather jacket comes up and is like, hey, mm. pay the lady. Oh. Oh, he's sexy. Uh, he's so sexy that, well, we'll talk about that in Premonition. Okay, I'm assuming you know who this person is. I assumed that maybe uh, Cheyenne Jackson and Matt Dillon had some sort of transporter accident. Uh, that's actually a great way to describe him. Also, I have to say, um, he... He's he's still acting. He's still an actor. And currently, in the year of our Lord 2022, he is quite a silver fox. Hmm. Has he done one of those Hallmark Christmas movies yet? Oh, I, you know, I didn't check his IMDb to see if he's done a Hallmark Christmas movie. Because Brian Cross has done two of them, and somehow we have not seen either one. That's so weird. I He might have. Anyway, the uh, guy threatens the, the very handsome in a early... Ben Affleck way looking guy uh, threatens the standard bikers into giving Prue her money and then he's like ooh let's make out I wish I knew your name but you're just this mysterious sexy sex lady who comes in here and makes out with me and plays pool and Prue's like yep that is the situation then um after they're done making out Prue leaves the bar and he's like can I hear your name and she's like nope ha <laughs> ha and one of the bikers who she was playing pool with tries to jump her outside the bar, but she just kickboxes him onto the ground and uh, then shimmers out. What? Not shimmering, because that's... What, what do you call it when you are astrally projecting and your astral projected body, like... Blorps back. <laughs> I blorps don't... back. What's Do we have a word for that in, I, in the I Charmed ju- universe? I'm sure we do. The Charmed teleportation wiki is, like, bonkers. It's really, it's really, you should go there. Did you know that, like, every different kind of teleportation has its own separate name? I'm sure I've mentioned that on this podcast before. But it is beyond me that they did that. They named every kind of teleportation. Right, I I know. That's why I was sure this one has a name, but I don't know what it is. But she un-astral projects. She, she de-jacks back into her body. And she snaps awake like, (gasps) Yeah. So, you pointed out that technically there's not really a demon in this episode there's not like a supernatural threat really a hundred percent there's no supernatural threat in this episode it's just prue's like midlife crisis so 
we uh op- we come back from the credits it's the morning of the wedding leo has orb left a bunch of rose petals in the bed that's just something she's gonna have to clean up later. i was just thinking that because piper wakes up and she's like oh a bed full of rose petals but you're gonna have to clean that up also i guess leo can orb objects now god sucks for you Paige. right or do you think he just orbed somewhere grabbed an armful orbed back dropped them and then orbed out yes i, I choose to believe that that is what happened so uh yeah Phoebe comes in with breakfast in bed for Piper, and she gets so excited about the petals on the bed. She's like, oh my god, petals on the bed! And she starts jumping around on the bed and, like, spraying the petals everywhere by jumping on them like a child jumping in, uh, in fall leaves. God, you know that's the cor- <laughs> You know that's probably the kind of dork-ass shit Coop's into, so... I- Oof. God. Yeah. Well, I was actually going to bring up that while this episode was being filmed, uh, Brian Krause had just been served with uh, divorce papers from his wife because of the affair he was having with Alyssa Milano. So Mm. I I, I just feel like that's an undercurrent to take into this episode. He doesn't seem all that bummed about it. I feel like maybe I'm reading into it because I know that that was going on behind the scenes. But it feels like Leo's a little more subdued in this episode than I would normally expect him to be. Honestly, I think it kind of works. Yeah, it actually does. But I, I, and like I said, maybe I'm just reading that into it. But also Alyssa Milano seems a little more giddy than normal. But again, Alyssa Milano. So Prue starts immediately blathering about her sex dreams about the sexy biker man who sexfully beat up some guys and made them give her money. And Piper's like... For crying out loud, Prue, if this is a demon that we're going to have to fight on my wedding day, I'm going to Cancel the wedding. It. Yes. Cancel the wedding. If one more thing goes wrong, I am establishing a second time. I will cancel the wedding. And Prue's like, no, uh, he's just a normal guy I'm having sex dreams about. Pfft. It's definitely nothing to worry about. Smash cut to corpse. Yep, yep. The corpse of the guy that... Uh, Prue fought outside of the bar. And by the way, there's security footage of her fighting the guy. So, um, I, I mean. Shouldn't they have her voiping out? Oh, I think that that was, she was beyond the range of the camera when she voiped out. Hmm. I just think it's interesting that her astral self can be caught on film. Okay, God, that so many questions. But it has a physicality to it, so I guess that makes sense. It does. Like, her astral form has always had a physicality, so it's not like this is inconsistent. It's just an interesting rule to note. In the I feel like that's not how having an astral form should work. Oh, but... yeah, it 100% is not. Her astral form is so overpowered because of the fact that it can interact with things. I mean... It's basically just kind of a cloning, but you remote control the clone with your brain power. It's kind of like a really weird roundabout teleport, too. Because, like, she could astral project to, like, the other side of the world. She could astral project to to Japan and have a business meeting there and then wake up in San Francisco. I mean, honest to God, every time I napped, I would go somewhere, you know... Then you'd be tired all the time like she is in this episode. Honestly, that is a different direction they could have played it, but I really like this episode, so. So, in the bar, police who are not our police are interrogating 
the patrons, including TJ, the hot biker dude. And he's like, yeah, I made out with her, but I don't know her name. I don't know the name of every single person I make out with. And the cop's like, wow, you're really cool. You're a cool dude. So, uh, back at the house... Prue and Phoebe are looking for the something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue stuff. And their something old is Melinda Warren's blessing cup that she drank from on her wedding. I'm sorry, but we know that she was... Dating a warlock? Yeah, she she was not married by the time she died when she was like 30. So that implies something pretty dark happening to her husband. Well, I mean, it was... It was... It was the olden times. Maybe he got a cut on his foot and died. A duck looked at him cross-eyed and he had a heart attack. Yeah. There's a lot of... God. Not to go off on another thing, but... uh, When I was a kid, we did a project where we went to our local cemetery, found a person, and did a report on their lives. Interesting. Which I thought was a standard middle school thing, but apparently isn't. Nope. But you grew up in New England, so I feel like... Yeah, you can go to the town hall and just look up facts about people. Also, you can go to the cemetery and have interesting historical people be buried there pretty much assuredly. Yeah, I found a woman who had four husbands who all died of tuberculosis, which I guess is a possible thing to happen, but it seemed weird to me. Huh. Huh. I mean, that's... Like, yeah, I could see that. Huh. Anyway. Anyway. So, uh, Leo shows up and Piper's like, no, you can't see me in my curlers, which is like a very weird 50s thing that's happening right now. I mean, I obviously, yes. He points out, he's like, I thought you can't see a bride in the wedding dress, but you're not wearing a wedding dress. And she's like, you can't see a bride at all. Don't look at me. It's bad luck. And he's like, okay. Don't look at me while I'm getting ready. You can only see me when I'm beautiful and done. And Leo... Bad news for you, Piper. He's your white lighter. He sees you all the time. Speaking of him being her white lighter, he tells Prue and Phoebe that he brought his uh, formal white lighter robe to wear for the wedding. And they're like, no, no. We got you a tuxedo. They say that they want him to wear something more traditional. And I'm like, um, I'm pretty sure that that robe is way older than anything that you rented for him to wear. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that robe predates the wedding industrial complex yeah so victor shows up to do more of his like dad stuff and Prue's like oh i feel tired and victor's like oh god did i bring another ghost into the house i didn't do that again did i (laughs) oh but Prue's like no i'm tired i'm just having a lot of sex dreams and victor's like oh god really i'm your dad come on So Leo pulls Victor to the side and he's like, so are we going to have one of those awkward dad-son-in-law talks? And Victor's like, yeah, yeah, we didn't get enough of that last episode. Okay, okay, can I talk about this? Yes. Okay, so this goes on for, like, the whole episode where they go back and forth about how Victor doesn't like Leo because... Leo's a white lighter and white lighters stole his wife. Right. (laughs) I'm sorry, it's great. But here's the whole thing, He, he keeps being like essentially he just keeps being like look there was me and the guy that my wife told me not to worry about right and the thing is leo is the guy not to worry about so this 
relationships should work, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Victor's like, look, you can't trust white lighters because my wife cheated on me with her white lighter because witches and white lighters have this deep spiritual connection that goes beyond anything a witch could ever have with a mortal, and that's why I'm uncomfortable with a white lighter marrying my daughter, even though that shows that they have this. Yeah, right, right. The thing you're worried about doesn't make sense. We know you just want to be the overprotective dad guy. And I get just having a grudge against white lighters. Yeah. But the fact that you keep bringing this up like their marriage won't work because yours didn't work because your wife ran off with her white lighter. It's like they short-circuited that problem. They just skipped the step of marrying a mortal. So, uh... This is, this is the weird thing about Victor being new dad like oh my god okay i i i don't know if you're gonna say what i was thinking but there was a thing that was throughout the whole uh episode when we were watching it that was kind of like bothering me go ahead he and patty weren't together by the time she started hooking up with sam right because in in the episode where we went back to the past it was really clear that victor was in and out of patty's life like even by that point when she was pregnant with Phoebe, she wasn't really with Victor anymore. Mm. Okay, so that is not exactly what I was going to bring up. Which, again, isn't super canon because we knew they were at least together for Phoebe's first year, which was around when Patty died. So clearly the timeline's got a lot of holes in it anyway. But Well, and, and my problem is, like, clearly they've retconned Victor a lot. Mm-hmm. And my big problem with him is I, I keep being really irritated with him in this episode because he ran out on them. He abandoned them, and now he's trying to, like, come back in and act like the responsible dad, and that just makes me so angry. But then I have to be like, wait, but they retconned him. He's not that guy anymore. Yeah, it, under the new canon, I'm pretty sure Graham's made him leave. Yeah, that, that is the new canon. It's... Actually, um, spoilers for Gone Girl. I'm pretty sure anyone who was going to read Gone Girl has already read Gone Girl. Mm. But it's like when I was reading Gone Girl and I got to, like, Nick's chat and, and I'm reading Nick's chapters and I'm, like, being all mad at him because of the stuff he did to Amy. And then I'm like, wait, wait, that was from Amy's diary, which we know was fake. He probably didn't actually do that. Yeah. It's just, it's the thing about establishing a guy for, like, two seasons as the bad guy guy not their dad Mm -hmm. and then when you introduced new dad he still kind of had a little bit of that like they hadn't really fully retconned him yet but well i mean the last time we saw him he was like taking advantage of phoebe by bringing her to the ghost town and infecting her with a ghost honestly victor bennett is a really interesting character the show never really does enough with but also he's very confusing so I mean, I think it would have been better if they had never brought Victor Bennett onto the show. If there had just never been a dad. If if Victor Hallowell was the last we ever saw of him when he came back into their lives and then turned out to be a creep and then disappeared again. I think that would have been all we needed. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we don't really get anything extra out of having Victor as a character. Mm-hmm. Outside of a kind of neat moment with Chris, but I mean, that's... It's Chris, and it's alternate future Chris. Right? Yeah, no, I, I don't think... I don't think Victor brings enough to the show to justify doing a retcon that makes everything as sloppy as it makes it. Having him show up once or twice a season? It's very bizarre. 
Anyway, uh, Prue's gonna go take a nap because she's just exhausted from all of this astral bike or barring. Okay, so I know blah 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 personal gain or whatever, but this seems like it might be a job for magic, like finding a sleeping spell. I have to imagine there's one in the Book of Shadows. Well, she doesn't know she's astral projecting. She still thinks these are dreams, so... Maybe like a dreamless sleep thing? Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know that that... No, you're right, that would be personal. I don't know, personal gain rules are, are are messed up. Anyway, she's back at the bar, and TJ's there too, and does he just, is he just there all the time? I guess. Oof. That's sad. But yeah, he, he pulls her to the side and he's like, what are you doing here, you know, mysterious, beautiful lady? Don't you know that you're wanted for murder? And Prue's like, I didn't murder a guy. I mean, I hit him really hard in a way that would probably in real life have broken his neck. But... Okay, although uh, we didn't mention this, but we do see she checks that he's still alive before she warps away. Honestly, I mean, I know it, it wouldn't work for Charmed because it would bring it into a suit it would bring it into too serious territory, but I kind of would have liked it if she had murdered this guy. Spoiler alert, it wasn't actually Prue. Yeah. But, like, I think that would be interesting if Prue's id just straight up murdered a dude. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't begrudge her it. He was attacking her. And then it would add kind of this layer to her thing with Cole. Yes. And, and also, God, it would give Prue something to do this season. I mean, eh. we've had a lot of Peru episodes, and uh, honestly, a lot stronger Peru episodes than I remembered, but the main thing she has going for her is her thing with Cole. Yeah. We don't give it, like, photography? Come on. Actually, I was, I was thinking, well, I mean, last week she had her adventure with Cole in the Wild West. This Which week, was awesome. Yes, this week is her biker adventure. And next week is Death Takes a Hallowell. So, Honestly, really, we're having a, a run. Of yeah, we're having a run of strong Prue episodes. Um, In season three. Yeah, I know. It's it's weird because you, well, you, you, you imagine that a show that is having so much conflict with a particular actor is going to sideline them before writing them off, like Chevy Chase in Community. But no, they're, like, showcasing how much Shannon Doherty brings to the show before they kill her off. Yeah. I just, I wish she had a stronger running plot. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, TJ, the biker, uh, I, oh, I guess, I guess he doesn't live at the bar. He does say he was just waiting for Prue to come back so he could warn her. Hmm. He's here a lot. Yeah. Anyway, they, uh, hop on his bike and they're gonna take off and, uh uh-oh, cops are here. Not friendly cops either, not Daryl. Or, I mean, I guess just Daryl. Yeah. And uh, Prue's like, it's okay, I got this. And she lets them arrest her. Okay, the main cop guy in this episode looks distractingly like Andy. Yeah. I have no idea why they did that. Do you think they just forgot about Andy and it's a coincidence? But this guy looks so much like Andy. I do think it's just a coincidence, but uh, it is weird. Anyway, right before he drags her off, she whispers to TJ, My name is Prue Hallowell. So, we cut back to Phoebe trying to wake up Prue back in her bed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's hard for a second the astral self is stuck. Um, yeah, and we, we hear from the astral self, 
Like, she hears uh, Phoebe calling for her to wake up, and she voips out of the cop car and wakes up in her bed. And she does the thing that you do when you get released from handcuffs where you rub your wrists. Yeah. So, I do really like this next bit where Phoebe and Prue are talking about what happened, and Prue's like, okay, maybe I'm psychically connected to a me from another dimension. Maybe it's the dream sorcerer. Maybe it's the dream sorcerer. Good continuity. I mean, he was a human guy who was dead as hell at the end of his episode, but still, I mean, it wouldn't be the The first... science would still exist. Yeah. Also, I mean, just because he died human-wise doesn't mean he couldn't come back as something, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe his ghost got stuck in the machine. So, right. But... Yeah, they, they're like, no, maybe something with your astral self, you know, they're, they're, but I just, I love the idea flow and I love that they're just open to all of these different things. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to go to the Book of Shadows and see if they can figure something out. And Piper comes out and is like, what are you doing? Are you going to the attic for the Book of Shadows? What's wrong? Is it demons? And, uh, they're hiding this from Piper, which was giving me total flashbacks to, uh, a particular friend of mine's wedding. And the way one of her bridesmaids and I were, like, running around before the wedding trying to fix things without her knowing things were going wrong. Like, we, uh, like, there was, like, a whole kitchen issue, and then there was, like, a whole dress issue. I, it was, like, it was some Project Runway shit up there, because I ended up in a bra made out that I made myself out of duct tape, and I ended up sewing this other girl into her dress because of a broken zipper. And, uh... Later, later, I asked the bride if she knew that stuff was going down, and she was like, I knew that there was probably something happening that everybody was keeping from me, but it also seemed like you were, you know, y'all were taking care of it, so I was just, I didn't want to know. <laughs> Can I take a moment just to say how much I love Phoebe's weird day glow overalls? <laughs> like, her whole outfit is so hideously bright i really like it i don't an know an orange tank top with uh, lime green overalls over it with like these gaudy plastic flowers it's it's great it's very uh early nickelodeon oh my god that's exactly what it is but piper's worried that they're going to the attic to deal with something demony and Prue's like don't worry piper today is going to be a hundred percent demon free <laughs> Yep, and just as just as she says that, uh, Cole appears. You have to imagine one of his superpowers is knowing when someone's saying something like that so he can just enter a room. Oh my gosh, it's like, uh, it's like an Arrested Development with, uh... Tony Wonder. Yes! Did somebody say Wonder? But he shimmers in and Prue's like, oh god, this guy, which is great. It's weird to me that... I mean, it seems like there had to be so many more conversations between where Phoebe and Cole left it and the fact that it's just now casually accepted that they're a couple in this episode. But yeah, he just shimmers into the room. Prue rolls her eyes at him like she's Patty and Selma and he's Homer Simpson. He literally throws a present to Piper. He's like, here. And, uh, and then he kisses Phoebe and he's like, yeah, there was... Zerthos or something was on my tail, but I shook him off. No big deal. No demons are going to show up today. Wink, wink. I mean, other than Cole, they don't. No demons show up. I, I know we don't have him for very long, but I love this era of Cole. Oh, I know. Just casual, not... 
not exactly ex-demon, but, you know, he's, he's not rolling with his full power set right now. And in fact, he is uh, specifically trying not to use his powers because he told Phoebe that he wouldn't. And he pops his head downstairs and he, you know, to interrupt Leo and Victor's weird man challenging each other time. Oh, so it ends with Victor being like, you know what, I guess I could get used to uh, to having a, an angel for a son-in-law. And I mean... Leo, he just came around and accepted you. You gotta throw Cole under the bus? Because he's like, what about a demon for a son-in-law? You know, as Cole, you know, runs back upstairs. Which, also we kind of skipped over it, but Victor made a joke about it. He's like, oh, I thought you were going to wear one of those dumbass white robes you white lighters are always wearing. And Leo's like, haha, no, no one would ever do that. That would be silly. I'm wearing a tuxedo like a human man. Well, I was wondering if before this line from Leo, Victor knew that, uh, Phoebe, his youngest daughter, the one who still calls him daddy, is dating a literal demon. Leo, Leo is just deflecting as much as he can here. Look, something else to be mad about. Oh, Leo. Because Victor has accepted him, but they could always look down on someone else together. That's true. That's true. So uh, Piper is upstairs getting ready, getting dressed, and Patty orbs in. She, she, she does the, she doesn't orb in, she does the, like, that bright white ball of light circle thing. It's not exactly the orb effect, because it's bigger and it's whiter. Oh, okay, I was thinking it was the orb effect, but I, I will take your word for it that it's slightly different. Yeah. But it, the ghost coming in effect. But she is not, she's not haloed with light the way, uh, the way Graham's was, because... Apparently, she's she's the Elder's gift to Piper, the, the fact that she's allowed to come back for this one day. Yeah, apparently the Elders feel really guilty about the un whole, you know, unspeakable wrath thing. So, as a favor to Piper, they've brought her mom temporarily back from the dead. Also, as was established earlier, but I don't think we mentioned it, Graham's ghost is specifically only here for the wedding and only so she can perform the wedding. Because they need a high priestess. Because they need a high priestess. Although they could just get regularly married now that the elders don't care, but eh. But she has a very specific time limit for when she has to go back to Ghost World. Yep, she has to go back at midnight. Like Cinderella. I really, really like the scene between... I know I've been saying I like the scene so much, but this is a good episode. The scene between Patty and Piper is weirdly touching and real for charmed oh no this is yeah this is a really heart-wrenching scene and it, it's not just piper because uh phoebe and prue come in and see patty and now they all have a moment where it's like you know it's their mom who they lost like way too young and even when she talks to phoebe she's like i never even really got to be there for you you didn't get to have like really any memories of me so before the other two come in, I think it was a really good choice to lead off this moment with just Piper encountering her mom. Oh, yeah. And there's a bit where she, she where Piper says, like, I know this can't be real because you're not a ghost. And, you know, you're not a ghost. This can't be real. And her mom just hugs her. And it's so... God... It's really understated for Charmed, which just sells the moment that much harder. Because you have to imagine that Piper seeing her mom here 
at this point in her life, she has to imagine this is like a demon or something shapeshifted into her mom. But the fact that she just knows her, because the assumption, if you see someone dead come back to life, I mean, probably not in Charmed, but, and you don't see the ghost effect, is that this is some shapeshifter or something, but Mm -hmm. she just knows her. Well, and and Piper shares the, like, really, really sad detail that after her mom died, she had her wedding album, and she would just read it every night, or flip through it every night looking at pictures of her mom. That's so sad. Yeah, and and Patty Patty mentions that she has her hair done the same way Patty did at Mm -hmm. her wedding, and that's when Piper talks about that. It's this really great moment between the two of them, which I think is good. And I I do like that they bring in the sisters almost immediately after this little moment. And Patty gets to have sort of individual moments where she talks about how proud of them she is and how crushed it left her that she couldn't be there for them. Mm-hmm. And, oh, this show doesn't do this often, but it does it so well here. And it's different from with Grams because what what's being mourned here is a lack of relationship. It's not... It's some. It's a relationship you lost before it could be formed for all of them, to different degrees. But mm-hmm. uh, and also, it's a it's a unexpected loss, right? Like you expect, you know. Yeah, your older grandmother who has heart issues. To... Right, but also like the expectation is that you'll you know have your mother there to to. You know, guide you to adulthood, but they didn't. They really didn't. And Patty talks about how, like, even when she was far away and she felt like she couldn't help them, before she gave birth to Phoebe, she had a premonition, which... <laughs> okay, okay, I'm, I'm glad because it, it's, it's gotten a little heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, premonitions sure are a jerk, aren't they? Yeah, she says that ev- even when things looked darkest for them, she knew that they would be okay because as she was giving birth to Phoebe, like, her last premonition while she was still power-sharing with Phoebe when Phoebe was a fetus, uh, was of the three, uh, of all four of them together on Piper's wedding day. Uh, hopefully this is, I'm assuming this is one of those premonitions that's from the first I view, because otherwise she would probably notice that she hasn't aged very much in the future. Right, the premonition was specifically of this moment, and I'm like, she must have been going through life thinking, okay, well this can't be where I die because I haven't been to Piper's wedding yet. If I can take that river demon on by myself. Premonitions are a jerk. Luckily, this very heartfelt moment is completely undercut with what happens next. Uh, Daryl shows up and is like, hey, Prue, um, the cops are looking for you. And she's like, oh my god, well, can we finish the wedding first? And then I will go down down and deal with that. Oh no, that's not what I meant. That does happen next. But what I meant was Patty coming downstairs with the girl and Victor Hollowell giving the most lead balloon performance ever, saying... Hey, who brought my ex-wife back from the dead? God. Like, thanks, Rodney Dangerfield. (laughs) Like, it's delivered in this weird, broad, comedic tone, which just... God, way to destroy the mood you just spent several minutes setting up. Um, okay, so speaking of destroying the mood... (laughs) So... I I do like that Daryl is letting them get married. He's like, yeah, okay, you can get married before I... Talk to Prue about the guy she murdered. Right? Uh, You have to think at this point he's just, like, along for the ride. Oh, hey, there's a ghost in the corner. Nothing surprises Daryl anymore. So, um, you know, 
Piper comes down the stairs to Pachelbel's cannon, and her father, Victor, walks her down the hallway. Boo! Should have been Grams. I mean, I know Grams well, is Grams marrying can't. her, but... Yeah, Grams is officiating. Could they find Grams' old dog? Maybe that would do better. Uh, Kit? Oh, God. Kit Watch 2022. Kit could have given her away. Oh, anyway. She's, she's you know, at the... She's at the altar with Leo and, and Grams. And then TJ comes flying through the door on his motorcycle. Like, he is so dramatic. He could have... He's not literally being chased right now. He could have rung the doorbell. But no! He comes roaring into the home on a motorcycle. And their house is up stairs you have to go upstairs to get to their front door so he he had to stop and drag his motorcycle up those stairs so he could make this entrance right he bursts through the door he knocks over all of the furniture you know on the on the wedding path or whatever you call it prue astral faints onto the couch he scoops up her astral self and then bursts out of there running over Piper's flowers as he does. Well, because when she faints, her astral self suddenly appears and, like, hops on the motorcycle. And he destroys the cake on his way out. Well, he, 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 the, the, the tablecloth gets, like, caught under his wheel and pulls the whole cake down. What are you doing? You could have knocked at the door. It would have been less trouble because you had to bring the motorcycle up the stairs. And by the way. What a dick. By the way, what's Daryl doing when all of this goes down? Nothing. Daryl does nothing. He has no reaction to a guy on a motorcycle riding into the Hallowell's home. Also, the whole thing is the whole thing is shot in slow motion. It's a work of art. Oh, and then and then Piper storms away, and Phoebe has to chase her, stepping over Prue's unconscious body to chase her. Like they just leave Prue sprawled out on the floor. Oh my god, it's amazing! It's incredible. I, I, my my gut hurts from laughing. It's so great. Oh. You know, while this was going on, I was just thinking about how if you're a demon hunter, if you're a witch, if you're something where you're going to expect demons to interrupt your wedding like this, I feel like that should affect the way you design your wedding gown. Like, this is a very traditional wedding gown with a long train. I I really like it, personally. Oh, I have no problem with the wedding gown. I'm just like, ooh, I want more freedom of movement on my legs if, uh... Demons might be attacking. Yeah, Piper's not really a dodging and weaving type. I feel like the freedom of the arms is more important for her. Oh, that's her. a good point. Yeah, she just freezes things. So... Oh, my... wait. Can I tell you something? Yes. Go, okay. Go. This yeah. is just so... It's so... It's, it, this is like a stoned thought. All right. Okay, so I, I was like boiling something and I got to the stage where I, I took it off the stove and I, I put cold water in it and the, like smoke was going up and I was putting the cold water on it and I was like... Ooh, I'm putting the cold water on it while it's steaming so that the molecules will slow down and it'll be water. Like, it'll stop becoming steam and it'll be water. And I'm like, that's essentially what Piper does. I'm basically (laughs) using Piper's power right now. I wasn't stoned. It was just a stoned thought. It very much was. 
so piper's like well wedding's off clearly the universe doesn't want this to happen and patty's like well the universe clearly does the universe sent me and graham i love i mean um, i get it but i love graham's being like yeah i'm I'm gonna head back and piper's like i thought we had you till midnight and graham's like yeah but that was when there was gonna be a wedding and really it looks like there's just gonna be a bunch of aftermath to that so she's like i'm basically here on a work release and uh, i gotta go back if i'm not doing the job so everyone's trying to talk piper into just getting married and daryl's like so I, i i came here to tell you all about prue being wanted for murder and piper's like god really well now um to be fair when he got there prue did say you're late so they were all expecting daryl to be there so it's not like he got there and they were all just ignoring his reason for being there so phoebe's trying to figure out like she's like i maybe someone's got control of prue's Mm -hmm. astral self and cole's like or maybe her astral self just really didn't want to be at this wedding phoebe's like cole but yeah I, i mean maybe so, uh, now, now Cole and Leo are going to take lead on investigating what's going on. Okay. Okay. I feel like this is the first time it happens and I love it every time it happens. Cole, Leo team up. Oh my God. I, it's just, it seems like it should be a buddy cop show, right? With an ex demon and an ex angel. Uh, also. A current angel. Yes. Also, this is reminding me of Avatar The Last Airbender, where it's like, everyone else got to go on a life-changing mission with Zuko. <laughs> Everyone's getting their life-changing mission with Cole now. God. Yeah, everyone except Piper at this point. Right, because Daryl, Leo, and Prue have all had their life-changing mission with Cole. Yeah. So, anyway, they they shimmer and orb over to the, the biker bar. And Cole's like, oh, by the way, one of my demon powers is that I can just look at someone and tell if they're a murderer, and that guy is a murderer, so... The guy, by the way, who... We didn't mention him before, but this particular guy, he's, like, got a skunk beard. Mm. And uh, when the cops were there, he was like, oh, I saw who did it. It was that woman. It was Prue. She, he didn't know her name, but he was like, she definitely killed that guy. I totally witnessed it. Yeah. That's a really handy power to have, Cole. I know, right? And he's like, well, I've been suppressing it for Phoebe so that, uh, since she doesn't want me to use any of my demon powers. And it's like, yeah, but that's a pretty helpful power for Phoebe, for the Charmed Ones. Yeah. God, do you think that's on all the time? Like, he just sees a little number of how many people someone's murdered over their heads? Just at all times? Or do you think he can just kind of smell murder on them? Well, he says he can smell the blood of someone who's recently killed. And he can also see the aura of someone who is the kind of person who can kill. God, Cole has so many useful powers. <laughs> right? Uh, no wonder he became the king of hell. So, Victor is trying to talk Piper into marrying Leo by talking about how nice his marriage was before it imploded. Um, so now we have a segment I like to call, This Episode Was Written By A Man! Oh my god, yes. Oh, oof. Piper's like, I'm, I may have been blessed with magical powers and being one of the charmed ones, the most powerful magical being in the universe, but I'm cursed as a woman because I can never find love and that's the most important thing for a woman. We Hollowells were blessed as witches but cursed as women. Jesus Christ. 
Also, I, I do like uh, how Grams' ghost woke her up with, Good morning, Mrs. Hallowell. In our family, the women keep their names, which I just, ah, I love Graham so much. Yes, yes. But, yeah, that was setting up this line where, oh, Hallowells are blessed as witches, but, you know, cursed as women. I, I also like how much uh, everyone's been kind of making fun of Grams for having a bunch of uh, husbands. Uh-huh. Which, considering some of them, well, at least one of them died not by Grams' own hand. I know we assume that Grams killed most of her husbands, but at least one of them was killed by demons, so that's a little mean. Well, they say that um, at one point they joke that you can tell Grams' age by counting the rings on her finger. Which which suggests that she marries and divorces in, like, a regular <laughs> interval. So, uh, Prue and her biker friend are, uh... Making out in a field. Okay, so you remember that thing where Anthony Sabato Jr. broke out of jail and demons were trying to kill him, and then he kidnapped Prue because, you know, they were together in the Miss Hellfire episode, and he's like, uh, I just wanted to kidnap you because I could sense that you were a dreamer like me because I'm a dreamer, and together dreamers can love stars, moon, sky, uh-huh. etc., etc. This kind of feels like a redo of that where... Prue's like, oh, I just, I feel so trapped, and I want to be free, and life with you is free, because together we can be free, and there's something about free people that non-free people just can't understand. Well, yeah, but there's no kidnapping here. It's true that she's saying all that stuff, but it's like, but these are two people who willingly want to run off with each other, and it's not his fault, this this mortal guy, it's not his fault that he doesn't know that this is just the in manifestation of a girl and not, like, her whole unified personality no i'm just saying that it feels really similar that prue's having another scene with a dangerous outlaw where you know they talk about how other people don't understand them because they are dreamers slash freedom seekers yeah i I guess freedom enjoyers i guess the difference is antonio sabato jr kidnapped her and that's like totally not cool whereas prue should have run off with tj she'd still be alive and a lot happier Mm. so uh speaking of kidnapping prue (laughs) That, that's a that's a turnaround. Well, Phoebe casts a spell to, like, draw her astral self back. And uh, she voips back to the manor. She's like, no! And Phoebe's like, don't worry, Prue. I've taken intro to psychology. <laughs> yep. She tells her, I took Psych 101, so I can tell that what's going on is that you are the id. And the unconscious Prue is the ego. Who's keeping you from having fun? Shouldn't she be the super ego? Yes, she should be. Okay, number one. Yes, she should be. That really bothered me. Number two, uh, Freudian analysis? Yeah. Where, where where are you going to school? The 40s? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I mean, Freud is really good. For literature. For literature, exactly. He's good for creating characters. His theories are good for creating good narratives but like he's so so widely discredited yeah yeah i mean the only thing he did that was really beneficial to you know the study of psychology is that he took good notes is that he took notes on his sessions so that you know we could reflect back on all the stuff that he did yeah but phoebe is bringing all of her i took a psych class energy to this she tells Prue that, you know, what she needs to do is 
become one and you know listen to her id and indulge it every once in a while so it doesn't take over and you know this part of prue is as real as the waking prue and blah 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 blah. right she has to like incorporate all of these personalities like you do when you have dissociative identity disorder Mm. you don't like kill off a personality you incorporate them all back together or not if it even really exists which is still up for debate i don't know so, anyway, don't, I don't want to get, cut, cut that. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> so Phoebe tells Astral Prue that she needs to get back into regular Prue and they need to prove that they didn't murder a guy. And she's like, look, maybe Ego Prue just needs to do some self-care. Just just needs to do a little bit of self-care to keep you inside. And then Prue's like, is Piper mad at me? And Phoebe's like, hey, nobody cares about Piper's feelings. It's fine. Also... Okay, Phoebe must be such an annoying little sister because she's like, look, I get it. Piper's in love with Leo and I have Cole and you have no one. Of course, of course you're upset and wanting to run away. Episode written by a man. But also, like, you've been with Cole for... We, We checked on that, right? Yes, we did. Okay. But also, you've been back with Cole for, like, five minutes. He literally came back last episode while you were dying, and you just decided to be together at the end of that episode? Okay, fine, whatever. I mean, I feel like she should have been with him. Yeah, I mean, no, we're very pro-Cole here. But, God, we'd be like, you're the oldest, and you found the least love out of all of us, so it makes sense that your astral self would go, but, uh, you need to remerge. If we had a higher budget, it would probably involve kissing, but it doesn't. She just voips back into herself, and now they're going to prove that she didn't murder a guy. Yeah, because the police have come to arrest her, which they do by cutting off the power to the house and then swarming into the darkened house to arrest her. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's really, really a realistic portrayal of all the problems with policing. Hmm. So they bring Prue in, and they're like, ooh, you're gonna go down, we know you killed a guy, ooh. And Prue's like, mm, okay, we'll see. And, uh, <laughs> Cole and Leo bring Daryl to the biker bar, and they're like, it's okay, we figured it out, we found the killer. And Cole's like, well, I found, wait, wait, I found a guy who is a killer. Not 100% sure he killed this guy. But you know what? Why don't I have a little conversation with him? I like how this is presented as, like, a Leo-Cole team-up, but Cole does everything. Leo is just kind of there. And he's not even kind of there for this part, because Cole goes into the bar, you know, with him by himself, and he's like, hey, so uh, I'm a little bit of a fortune teller, and I have a feeling that you're going to tell me that you killed that guy that they arrested Prue Hollowell for killing. And the guy's like, why would I do that? And Cole just turns into Belthazor, and he's like, because if you don't, I'm going to drag you to hell! Which, effective. It does the job. God, I love good guy Cole. He's so peppy. I, yes. Like, he is clearly having the time of his life. He, he waits until the guy pulls a knife on him to turn into Balthazar. Does, does, that, does that make it more okay? Because I know he's trying to suppress this demon stuff for Phoebe. The fact that the guy pulled the knife first, does that make it better that he turns into Balthazar? Even though I personally don't think there's an issue with it. Yeah, it's definitely a self-defense thing because 
not only does he wait until the guy pulls the knife, he actually wrestles the knife away from the guy and is like, look, I'm giving you one last chance to just tell me that you murdered the guy. And the guy's like, I'll never say anything that I did. I'll kill you before I admit to being a murderer. And Cole's like, eh, okay. And then he turns into Balthazar and is like, yeah, but if you don't tell the police or whatever, I'm dragging you directly to hell. And uh, just as after he's turned into Balthazar, Daryl and Leo come out and he, Balthazar tells Daryl, okay, he's ready to confess now. And Daryl just looks at Balthazar and it's like, oh my God. Really? So much. So I... Cole Cole murdered people while he was here, right? Like, after the Charmed Ones. Did we actually see him murder any human people? I don't know if we did. I'm pretty sure he did. I don't know. I mean, we know he killed demons, but... Hmm. Ooh, did he kill humans? I don't know, I'd have to check. But, uh... God, I love that Cole is just this... It's such a good plot thing to have a resource that can basically do anything, but you need to be worried about that. Right, because he doesn't have any of the rules that, that the sisters have, but also... He, he doesn't have any of the rules the sisters have. Exactly. Like, honestly, this is a way better thing for kind of a slippery slope thing than personal gain is. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like this is sort of what they tried to do with Willow in the very little screen time she got in season seven in Buffy. Because going back to it, I last time we did a Buffy rewatch, I realized the main reason I didn't like Kennedy wasn't because of anything about her personality. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was because all of Willow's screen time was basically devoted to her relationship with Kennedy because it kind of breaks the show if Willow's allowed to do stuff. Which we realized when we switched over to the Angel episode that that Willow shows up in at that time, and she just shows up and literally... In, in ten seconds, fixes all of the problems that they've been dealing with on Angel all season. Yeah, yeah. It's season seven, Willow takes a break from being in Buffy to drop by one episode of Angel and tie up, like, I think four long-running plot threads. Yep. If she'd been there five more minutes, she would have figured out the evil Cordelia thing. <laughs> oh. So, uh, back in Charmed, Piper shows up. Five minutes before midnight so they can knock out this wedding. And I really like that the wedding ceremony, the language of the wedding ceremony, Graham says, uh, do you acknowledge the eternal bond shared by you both? So, like, this ceremony doesn't create the bond. It just acknowledges it. I like that. I like that wording. I really, I love how personal it feels. And it's, it's a little hokey, but it's a wedding. It's allowed to be a little hokey. All if weddings are hokey. The fact that for the music, Grams uses her telekinesis to play bells, and, like, Leo lights up the room because the police cut the power and it obviously hasn't come back yet. Leo uses white lighter balls to light up the room, yep. which is, I guess, a thing he can do. And it gets me. I'm not normally a sucker for a wedding episode, but I, I like it. Again, it's not as fun as Cole and Phoebe's wedding, but, you know, that's evil, and that was really cool. But this is just kind of nice. Yeah, no, evil's always more fun. But yes, this is nice. This is a nice, wholesome moment. So they, they exchange their vows. They both wrote their own vows because they're terrible people. Yeah. No, no offense to anybody who writes their own vows. It's fine. It's just... It's a bit much. But it's fine if you do. It, your wedding's about you, and nowhere is that more obvious than in the vows. But no, seriously, it's fine. <laughs> 
you should get a moment to talk about what's important to you. Yes. You should get to gush about the person that you are, you know, saying you want to spend the rest of your life with. This is the one time in your life where you can quote song lyrics and not get called out by everyone. So. Uh, this and, uh valedictorian speeches yes this and valedictorian speeches are the only times in your life when you can get away with just blatantly quoting stuff so uh leo and piper are married yet the clock strikes midnight and they kiss and brams explodes yay into light and victor and patty share a moment which is weird but okay well i mean they didn't uh end things because they wanted to. They ended things because of Grams and death. So mm. it makes Oh, and Sam. So it makes sense that they would... Uh... Depending on the incarnation of their story we're looking at, either Victor just walked out of their lives, Victor walked out of their lives, but only because he was mystically or just, I guess, regular force too by Grams. I guess you could have just yelled at him until he left. Or Patty cheated on him with Sam and broke his heart and left him that way. Yep. I guess they had time for a divorce before uh, she died. Because he does call her his ex-wife, not his late wife. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. They must have really rushed that divorce, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess she also got immediately pregnant after Phoebe for Paige, right? Because Phoebe was like a baby when she died, so... Oh yeah, that timing is really weird. So that does it for uh, this week's episode. Alright, I believe that will bring us to our segments... Our first segment is Premonition. Who in this episode is, was, or will become famous? I did not recognize anyone. Apparently you did. Apparently Biker Guy is someone. Yeah, TJ is played by Dana Ashbrook, who is probably most famous for being Bobby Briggs on Twin Peaks. Laura Palmer's high school boyfriend, the one who, like, she was publicly dating at the time of her death. Even though, you know, if you know Twin Peaks, you know that she had several other boyfriends as well. He kind of looked like, I don't know, dollar store Timothy Oliphant in that picture you showed. That's why I was like, huh. I, I was like, that's, I know it's not Timothy Oliphant, but. Yeah, I, I could see that. He, he kind of does now look like that. Which is, again, not a bad thing. He, he looks like a lot of very handsome men. But also, it's just his character in Twin Peaks is kind of the the kind of punk rebel guy that you can see growing up to be TJ. Ah. Uh, it, it seemed appropriate. Yeah. And also there's a secret premonition, which is not quite a premonition. All right. One of the extras in the background of the bar mm -hmm. is Lorelai Combs, Holly Marie Combs's mother. Oh, Oh, that's fun. I like that. That's nice. So it's just a fun thing. Yeah. So uh, that'll take us to our second segment, Time Freeze. What specifically dated this episode for you, or for us in general? Uh, I don't know if there was any other than, obviously, Phoebe's outfit. Phoebe's outfit was very of the time. So um, we didn't mention this when we were watching the episode, but I'm sorry, there was just a line that is the time freeziest of time freeze lines. When Cole appears and Piper's like, see, I told you, demons are going to attack, my wedding's going to be a disaster. Phoebe's response is, and I quote, 
Piper, you have to stay positive. You know what? I have Celine Dion behind the music on video cassette. Would you like to watch that? Oof. Oh my god. That's... That's a lot. That's a lot in a single sentence. Right? It's like... It, it's like it's a satire of our time freeze. 1996, the year it currently is. Exactly. I believe that will take us to our last segment, telekinesis. What, if anything, genuinely moved you this episode? Well, I mean, I think we're going to have the same moment, which is Patty reconnecting with her daughters for the first time. Yes, for me specifically, Piper, but really the scene as a whole. Yeah, the, the whole scene just hits me really hard, so... Yeah. Oof. It is one of the one of the times where charm feels very genuine. Yeah, I mean, I this is this is a top tier charmed episode. Which is weird because I don't think of it as one. I just remember the scene where, you know, the biker destroys the cake, which is very funny and kind of, you know Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, that is what sticks in your head, it's true. But this is actually a genuinely really good episode of Charmed. Yeah, good job, Charmed. Way to go. So the next episode we're going to talk about is Death Takes a Hallowell. And the description from Peacock is, Prue staves off the angel of death while trying to save someone's life. Weirdly enough, running character in this show. Yeah, I know. I like it. Yeah. Uh, So I guess that'll about do it. Yeah, I guess that'll do it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maricruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. Bye.